Visible is a wireless carrier that is not invisible. It is pretty clear from the name, actually, radio waves are invisible. And I can say this with authority as a licensed amateur radio operator. That being said, Visible won't be giving you the power to see light outside the visible spectrum. It's actually way better because having that ability would make getting around very difficult and distracting. What you do get with Visible is unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. You get one line of wireless, just $25 a month, which is great in these times of economic uncertainty. That is one line for $25, taxes and fees included. So whatever you're doing at this moment, please stop. Switch immediately. Now, monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Wir gehen jetzt in den Wasser los. It's dein Freundo, Seth. I'm learning German. Yeah, in case you didn't know what that was. That is me trying to impress you with the little German that I know. Right now, I am actually learning German. I took it in high school. I goofed off the entire time. I did some other language learning apps. They taught me things like where the taxi stand is and how to find a bus, um, but not a lot of conversational uh German. Thankfully, that's what Babbel is all about. Babbel teaches you language conversationally, which let's face it, that is what you want to know anyway. I don't know. When I was in school, you learned like how to count. You learned like the colors. You learned the shapes. Those are all important things, but they don't help you when you're in uh, like Cologne, Germany with Ein Nierenstein, which by the way is German for kidney stone, uh, an experience I can unfortunately speak personally to. But I've been using Babbel to learn to speak German again, uh, better than I have before. I actually really like it because it is conversational. It's a little bit more relaxed. One of the things that it does that I really like is it'll sometimes show you what the literal English translation is. And I don't know why, but I find that very helpful in sort of understanding the structure, the grammar of a language and sort of putting myself into that mind space. Since I'm only in Germany for Gamescom, which is like a week, week and a half, I'm not immersed in the German language. I'm not immersed in German culture. So what I do is the second best thing. I'm taking Babbel. Hopefully this year when I go to Germany, I'll be able to impress all the Germans with how much German I know from learning through Babbel. The app has pronunciation recognition, so you'll be able to learn how to speak better with your accent, how to actually properly pronounce the words. That way you won't get made fun of by a, a group of older German men because you said Apfelstrudel and not Apfelstrudel. Um, no, it's really cool. Uh, I'm going to say right now there is a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now you can get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners because you guys are the best ones, by the way, at babbel.com slash realm. Get 60% off at babbel.com slash realm. That is spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash realm. Rules and restrictions may apply. Listen. Welcome to Nintendo Voice Chat, IGN's Nintendo Podcast. My name is Philip Mewson, and today I'm joined by Per Schneider, hey. Brian Altano, hey. and Brian Sjorgensen. <laughs> so close! Hi, everyone. Take 24. Sjorgensen? 
Siergerson. Siergerson. Yes. How different. Hey, though, Brian Siergerson. Yeah. If we made it through. If, if you're listening and you don't see like a lower third popped up, your your name is spelled. And I'm not making fun of you. I'm just actually explaining how terrible we are at, at saying this. B R J A N N. You and I have the same first name, but uh-huh. you go. You yours is adventurous. Right. And you started misspelling it a yeah. thousand yeah. years ago. <laughs> <laughs> and your last name is S I G U R G E I R S S O N. Yeah. I can't believe we screwed that the, up. The son of no, Sjurger. Exactly. It's, it's so yeah, but it's more, awesome. more importantly, so it, really is that. it is the son of Sjurger. So my dad, mm-hmm. dad's first name is Sjurger. Oh, okay. Oh, cool. You've insulted the <laughs> out of my dad. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Like a thousand Thor curses on you. <laughs> Welcome to NBC, everyone. Welcome to NBC, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah. Pleasure, okay. pleasure to have you here, Brian. No, honestly, well, if you don't know, Brian is actually the CEO and uh, responsible for some of the greatest indie games ever to release on Nintendo consoles, in my opinion, mm-hmm. the SteamWorld series, uh, in particular SteamWorld Dig 2, which was a massive hit, not only in this office, but for Switch fans and, you know, just gamers alike. So thank you very much for joining us here. We oh, it's a can't wait to pleasure. Right? Yeah. It's fantastic to be here. Absolutely. Cool. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'd just love to ask you some questions, pick your brain about, you know, SteamWorld and the development process and sure. just a little bit more about Image and Form as well. Go ahead. And I yeah. should say first is like it. It wasn't me that nicked a few of your amiibos there, pair. Oh, it wasn't me. They're not in my back. We talked about this. You can't touch. I them. did. I did notice that collection go from six hundred down to five hundred. Oh god! I yeah, he went to the bathroom. And yeah. <laughs> what's missing? <laughs> Detective Pikachu. Um. So. <laughs> Um, so Brian, we'd love to know, like, what is it? What is it like to work with Nintendo and getting a game actually on the eShop? How does what's that experience um, like for a developer? Um, it can be everything. I mean, like when we put out SteamWorld Dig in mm-hmm. the first game, it was terrifying because <laughs> the, the game had to sort of slide through lot check on on the first try. If it didn't do that, or the, yeah, lot check is the approval process. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And does that mean they're they're playing it and they're like it's great or no bugs broken or because I mean isn't that kind of on you guys before it even gets to them? Yeah, but it's kind of hard, you know. It's like um, like there can be bugs in places where you you're not thinking about looking. Um, And uh, so with the first game, Steam will dig. It was it really had to go through on the first try because we we were totally out of money. And everyone had gone on vacation, so if there had been like a rejection email. Uh, there would have been no one to answer that. Oh no! We're, so so yeah. We were were they were they thinking like we got to go on vacation because this is not this company's not going to be here when we get back, or maybe I sent everyone on vacation. Oh <laughs> no! But it's uh, furlough. The thing is, like in Sweden, stops in July, so we wrapped up. It gets so hot, right? Like about fifteen degrees, and so you guys got to <laughs> <Exactly>. take <laughs> time off. Yeah. yeah, people are like <laughs> passing out in the street and stuff. <laughs> So, uh, no, but at the end of June, like Sweden kind of, yeah, take, goes on vacation. Mm-hmm. It, it's not operating. So, uh, <laughs> like for four weeks, everyone is just off. You guys get a four-week vacation? We get five weeks, actually. How do you oh, get any wow. – how do you make video games? That's amazing. Well, it rains the rest of the year. So, <laughs> oh, so you stay in okay. programming. Okay. It got it. Yeah. So, so there's like about two days of, of nice weather. They're <laughs> always in July. So uh, you have to sort of be off then. And yeah. then when we got back uh, – to our relief, we had passed through lot check. But it was not. I mean, there's sometimes indie studios that kind of live by the day, and so a delay by two months or something can be really right. Can be really difficult. Like some companies Super. can't recover from that. No, right? exactly. I mean, also, I mean, we're a so 
We're not a triple A studio. I mean, I don't know what the term is these days. Is it triple I for a studio like us? I like mean, a indie? big indie? Triple I? That's good. Did I like you hear that? that? Yeah, okay. Yeah. So it's that sort of – You guys – It doesn't really matter. Telltale, <laughs> I guess? And, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but the thing is that we have uh, – um, we can't really come out with a game, say, in, in November. Mm-hmm. Like if we miss – like if we plan for the game to be out in August or September and we're not done, it's, it's disastrous because mm-hmm. we sort of have to wait until maybe – February to put that game out because there's just so much noise going on uh, right. in the last months of the year. And so specifically, I mean, with SteamWorld Dig 2, which launched recently, uh, which we adored, you know, we could not stop telling our audience how great this game is. I genuinely yeah. love it. I 100 yeah. of it. Even all the incredibly difficult stuff at the end, I was actually cursing on an airplane playing. It's the first <laughs> game I recommend to anybody who says, I want to download a game yeah. from the eShop. I'm always like, this is the first Same. one. Um, did you guys, did you guys have a release date planned? We did. And yeah. then did you get it? No. Uh, it was uh, – we had – we don't like go for a specific date, but I'm really adamant always. I go in and say, okay, this game is coming out in August. There is no two ways about it. Right. And then it came out September 21st. So it's not bad. And so you're – SteamWorld Dig is a – for those of you who haven't played it, you should. Please go fix that right now. Your Switch can download games as you listen to this show. Um, it's a Metroidvania. Yeah. And you guys launched within two weeks of a new Metroid from Nintendo. I know. So, I, I mean, that came to 3DS and this came to Switch. So I don't know if that was just happenstance, if that was sort of a magical, wonderful uh, surprise that dawned on you guys or – it's Let's put – yeah, it was a surprise. Let's put it that way. <laughs> it was happy and – I mean, we um, – it seems to always go, go that way. I mean, when we released uh, – perhaps our best game ever called Antil, which mm-hmm. is an iOS game that neither of you has played. It's, mm-hmm. it's a fantastic game. It came out in 2011 on the day that Steve Jobs died. Oh. So we go, we come with the game and it's like, and all the Apple media is of course full of, of, of the other news, right? right. Yeah. And uh, um, Steam Will Dig is, is the lucky exception because that's like Nintendo really came through for us yeah. and, and made it sort of, made it into a fantastic launch. Steam, uh, Steam will heist. Um, we did everything. Everything happened too. I mean, just before we came out, a codename Steam came out. Oh right! And, oh. and I didn't turn-based. Oh exactly. my god! I yeah. didn't see that game first. I just read about it. It's that okay? It's turn-based. It's okay, guys. Um, maybe there are other jobs that you can get. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like uh, with Steam will dig uh, two, as you say, right? It's Metroidvania comes out. Sort of right at the same time as Metroid, m- yeah. perhaps like yeah, well the the, the, met- the, the Metroid, Metroid yeah, yeah. The, the Metroid yeah. herself, right? Exactly. <laughs> so yeah, I, the other yeah, M. we were worried. That's we scary. Worried. Yeah. yeah, but at least I mean, there there this was kind of like the Metroid game you wanted to get on the on the Switch, right? right. So there was some there was good news around that that you had to go back to the 3DS to play yeah. Metroid, and so maybe that worked out well um, did, for the yeah. game, and people were interested. But I mean, calling it a Metroidvania is also kind of discounting that this game is very different. Right? Yeah, like right. Metroid is like there's a tunnel there hidden paths there are no hidden paths here is like you you dig your way through you create tunnels and kind of like in like games like dig dug like a rock can fall on your head so yeah. it's, it's a very different game too yeah it's it's a fair game let's put it that way it's mm-hmm. fair yeah 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 and <laughs> and so just kind of to add on to philip's question like when you're developing a game for steam 
uh, you know, I, I assume there are fewer restrictions. Like it's a little easier to get the game into the shop. Like how hard is it to get to get something through? To the end with with a Nintendo console. Yeah, I mean, if you if you can bear with me a minute, I'll yeah. tell you about it. like so. Um, I mean, the first time we got a game out on a Nintendo console was SteamWorld Tower Defense, a okay. game that nobody has played. Right? It came out in 2010, and now you can only download it on Nintendo 3DS. I think it's five bucks. Oh. Get it? Um, hmm. It's it's a very very um, simple effort, but we had never met. We never met anyone at Nintendo. Uh, for that reason, we sort yeah. of just sent builds to them. We didn't, yeah, we didn't even know who we were talking to really yeah. on the other uh, other end. But you did have a you had a dev kit and everything, right? Uh, yeah, we did. Yeah. So you, to get that, you were sort of like, we want to make Nintendo games. Yeah, and then that's they... it. Yeah, exactly. I, it's it's also a long time ago, so yeah, I can't yeah, really yeah. F- remember. But somehow <laughs> we maybe we stole it from somewhere and then made the game. But <laughs> it's um, so we made that game. But like the first real deal was with Steamworld Dig, with where we had sort of we had made that game for uh, for a few months mm-hmm. and and we were starting to go broke and i met with nintendo here at gdc mm-hmm. um the game developed in 2013 conference. yeah sorry mm-hmm. in san francisco and when they started playing it on the 3ds i realized that we haven't sent them any builds we haven't shown them anything on this game oh. before mm-hmm. suddenly i just go cold inside i said what if they what, how does this work even? I, yeah. like a thousand thoughts, right? It was like, how does – can they just say – it's like, what is this? This, is, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. We don't like digging. No, exactly. <laughs> and just toss it out, right? Right. Or just tell us on the spot or send us a polite email afterwards. Like, not really what we're looking for. Yeah. And like, we're sort of investing all of this money without researching that properly first. Very, very clever it turned out because um, – no, it was very dumb, of course. Yeah. <laughs> but, I, but it seems like it was a, pr- a pretty smooth sailing since then. And now, obviously, you've made a splash. Yep. Uh, Dig 2 is one of the top-selling games on the eShop. Um, I, I assume with your follow-up, uh, you're pretty confident that it'll be an easy easy process. Yeah. Which, of course, you'll announce the game today here on the, on the show. <laughs> <laughs> or you're talking about that follow-up. Yeah. Follow-up. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're playing. Pairs playing so, the long. Suddenly, game I don't here. dare to say anything no. because I'll be. I'll just say the wrong. Yeah. Thing. No, but the but the the other thing, um, you know, the other thing that struck me is like as a as a indie, you have the choice whether you put something on Steam first and maybe even try try it in early access while you're still bug testing and and, and stuff, or you can decide to put it on the Switch. Like, what what drove the decision to put it like first on the Switch? Oh, it's it's the relation to Nintendo, yep. basically. I mean. If you put it in perspective, like in 2013, let's say in July in 2013, nobody had heard about Image and Form. Mm. And Nintendo decided to put us in a Nintendo Direct with this game that they didn't know if it was going to fly. Yeah. It's just that a few people in at Nintendo liked the game and sort of championed it for us. And it was really brave of them to do that. And... Um, so yeah, it was. Um, it's an easy decision for us to. Um, we happily call ourselves an indie. If right, yeah. we're proud to proud to say that. No, I love that. And also, I mean, we we really enjoy being compared to Nintendo because, and I, I of course, I'm not saying that we're as good as Nintendo, but mm-hmm. we that's where we want to set the bar. We want people to talk about our games, not like it's a really good game for being an indie. 
Yeah. yeah. There's yeah. always that. I, we get that a lot with our audience. We do it ourselves sometimes too, right? It's sort of like a handicap. Where yeah. People are just like, like, yeah, he's really like, he's really great, you know, but it's like for two people making a game, this is pretty good for that. And yeah. It's like, no, it's a good game period. Exactly. Like, that's, and that's just compared to other good games or great games. Like, yeah. and it's hard to do that. And I think with Nintendo coming out with something like their Nindies presentation, that's a pretty damn awesome, like kind of cosign yeah. for them to be like, Hey, these are our friends. Like they're all, they're going to hang out. Uh, we're working on Mario's and Zelda's splatoons and stuff like that. But in the meantime, we got this stuff and yeah. it's them sort of giving you guys like this, like push out. And I really respect that, that, yeah. that they handle it. That so way. that's great. So you have a good relationship. So we're not yeah. going to go to E3 and Xbox conference. Here comes Brian. And it's like, we proudly announced steam world battle Royale exclusively <laughs> on Xbox. One You're just Z. trying to make me say things, no? aren't you? No, <laughs> totally not. Yeah. No, it, it's, <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I mean, um, it's it's also personal. I, I, the people that work at Nintendo, they they I think they enjoy working at mm. Nintendo. So you you sort of form a long personal relationship, and they're really fine people. Let's put it that way. So we're really happy to work with them. Well, I'd love to know, like, um, you know, the Steam World series and the the whole franchise itself is very varied in different types of game types. You know, like Dig is obviously a Metroidvania style game, and Heist is more of like a uh, you know uh, turn based style game. Uh, what kind of games did you play growing up? Like, what were your favorite uh, games growing up? Right. Well, it's like I'm, I'm probably old enough to be your grandfather. It's like you wouldn't believe that. Uh, I but don't know. <laughs> Paris <laughs> grandfather, maybe. It's, a, <laughs> it's Philip's trick. He's actually twice our age. I'm actually older. Oh, really? Than, I'm actually older yeah, okay, than cool. Pear. Yeah. Well, so I grew up playing. <laughs> I grew up playing arcade games. Uh-huh. Um, and you know, that meant that the, your um, what do you call it? Games that sort of were at hand, mm-hmm. kind of limited, right? We, right. You were you would be playing what games were on display um, in that cafeteria next to the school where the kids weren't supposed to to go. Mm-hmm. And there, I played Dig Dug for the first time, for example. Yeah. And uh, and all those old games mm-hmm. like Tetris was uh, played that there for the first time too. I think. It's and I enjoyed it. And the thing I enjoyed about playing arcade games was was that like every game session counted. It was so it counted. I it mean, literally, it, it yeah. cost this yeah. much, right? which was a hundred dollars when you were that age. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> a quarter was like the most. Yeah, that was like cigarettes in prison. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's, this exactly. is this is big. This is a big deal. Yeah, it was. I have to right? kill a guy for this. Yeah, and so you sat there. And it's like it's like are my hands sweating? It's like it was for real. Really, you sit there and it's like. I really, I have to do better than last time. Mm-hmm. Like it's, and it was magical too because it was made by gods. Like these games, <laughs> that you could actually make games. You know who makes who makes these things? Yeah. It's impossibly great. All yeah. of these games, and and they were so varied too. Like so many, so many. I mean, all the ideas come sort of from that time. Like these classic classical games. Are born at that time, and I'm standing playing them. And I'm I'm not realizing that I'm playing games that are it's sort of like history in the making as I as I play it. So I was that was fantastic. I grew up playing that, and and the, obviously, I mean, you mentioned Dig Dug right yeah. right away. That's right. a that's a game where you dig in the earth and uh, rocks go shaky, 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 and fall yeah. on your head <laughs> or, or on a dragon, right? Right. Yeah. Sick. So you, 
completely stolen comps. <laughs> <laughs> no, like Boulder Dash is another game yeah, that I, right. I played on computers growing up, uh, you know, where I kind of see the connection, but it's really interesting to hear mm-hmm. you mention Dig Dug. I think the, the arcades were really awesome because, uh, and you kind of get it with esports now, it was just this thing that was bigger than you physically. Yeah. Like as a small child, you walk up to this thing that was the size of a, an upright car that had Donkey Kong on it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you and then, put money into it, and all of a sudden this screen showed you personally a thing that you could control. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I was like, that's that's so cool to be able to see that and then start being like, who's in there? Yeah. <laughs> like, what's inside this thing? Who made this? Yeah. It was it was just, yeah, exactly. It was impossibly great. Mm-hmm. This, How can you capture a person like that? Mm-hmm. Like, you stand there as, you're, yeah, your hands are sweating because it's so important, right? Mm-hmm. This session that you're going to have in this game and then later I got, like, as a contrast, I, I uh, for for some birthday, I got, like, in the early 80s, I got um, a Game & Watch, mm-hmm. the Nintendo. Uh, I, I got the Turtle Beach one. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Now a famous headphone brand. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Sold out. Not the same. And, and then another one from a competitor, Gakken or something. And yeah. It was, it was completely impossible. Amazing! I was amazed by these things. I would just sit with them all the time and play like on the bus, on the way to school and on the bus way, on the way home. So that was your introduction to handhelds basically. Yeah. And also the first time Nintendo introduced a dual screen uh, display. Of with the Donkey Kong, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right. which is what you guys eventually went to develop for on, on 3DS. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that experience is... Like to be able for us to give that, that's why I think that it's like if you make a game, you have a big responsibility. Mm -hmm. Like you're, if you make something that is bad or like sub, um, like not optimized, Mm -hmm. you're sort of wasting someone's uh, magical moment. If you understand Mm -hmm. what I mean, like you sit there, okay, I heard this is going to be great, and then it's. If it's not, then it's it's terrible. So how do you? I, I think that's interesting. How do you feel when you have a game? Uh, I mean, I can objectively <laughs> say I, I feel SteamWorld Dig 2 is a much better game than the first one, right? Like yes. when, when I play right, the yeah. game, like how do you feel about that? Like do, do you have regrets when you look at the original? <laughs> Are you embarrassed? Are you saying, no, this was what we could do with the resources given in at that time and we graduate and like no, you know, no regrets, nothing. Yeah, exactly that. I mean, it, yeah. that's precisely how I feel about SteamWorld Dig. That is what we could manage to do at that time. And when we put that out, I thought it looked marvelous. Yeah. I was, I was so proud of of Steamwell Dig, and I'm I'm still very proud of it because so the, yeah, the ideas are so. I think it it, it really works. And then like we make Steamwell Dig too, and you you compare them, right? Mm-hmm. So I was doing a talk here now at, at GDC uh, mm-hmm. about just that, like how do you make a game better than the original? So it was good because it actually let me um, visit that, like to. To think about uh, how you how you improve on things, yeah. and we have basically improved on every area uh, from Steamwell Dig, and I'm happy about that because it means that we we're learning, we're actually getting better mm-hmm. the whole time. And so, the moment you finish Steamwell Dig two, are you starting to think about the next game and like here are the elements I wanted to get in and I couldn't, or do you kind of like take time off and you just gotta you gotta refresh your batteries and just kind of collect yourself? Well, just immediately afterwards, yeah. I think it's... Uh, you go on vacation for five weeks. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's... Uh, uh, we had... Um, just immediately afterwards, you sit and think, it's like, right after the the final build is done, you sit there and it's like, is this really cut off? Uh, like, <laughs> because there's... The, okay, I, 
Right. Okay. Get one more thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then, I mean, you would sit like that forever. You would sort of like shoehorn in Baker. like this, yeah, the stuff at, and, and you would never get done. Well, you guys committed to finishing the game and then shipping it. That's not actually common anymore. I mean, well, a lot of games just uh, are this sort of amorphous blob that never end or start. They right. come out, they're games as a service, they're patch notes on day one and all this DLC. stuff. Happen. You guys, you made the game and put it on the shop and it was like, this is it. It's here. It's done. Yeah. You know, I mean, you, you could have half-assed it. <laughs> a lot of people do. Yeah. <laughs> the thing is also, I mean, it, like in the um, in the noughties, that's, I, I like that word, like in the 80s, 90s and noughties. Mm-hmm. So in, in the noughties, we, we actually were making uh, – Edutainment games for kids mm. um, in a franchise. We made like 25 or 30 uh, games on CD-ROM uh, for PC and Mac. Mm-hmm. And that was real sort of um, when you submit it to the, to, the, to the factory that presses up mm-hmm. these CDs. It's done. It's done. It's like you yeah. cannot affect it anymore. It's, if you have a bug in there or like a serious bug, you have lost so much money uh, Doing that. Right. right. Yeah. And I, what was it like? Was it Metroid Prime Two or Three? One of them had like a game breaking glitch in it. And three, right? Was it three? And yeah. you had you had you could like mail your discs yeah. in the Nintendo. This, or you yeah. had to you had to mail your memory card. Yeah. In, and then they would mail yeah. your memory card back. Space Station yeah. Silicon Valley, the cartridge from yeah. sixty four two had a fatal bug in it. It's, and it seems it seems so foreign and bizarre nowadays. Yeah. Your stories of that, but that's really the way it was for yeah. a long time. Yeah. So. Yeah, so like games would be perfect when they when they came, and I don't mean that we're better or anything like anyone else, but mm-hmm. for us, we sort of keep that mentality. It's like let's avoid this. Like mm-hmm. people don't like to. Here's here's the game. I downloaded it. I say, okay, it's not working. Oh, but a patch is in the works, right? Mm-hmm. Really? It's like why didn't you make the game hold from the beginning it's like right. why why am i this is actually broken where do i return this yeah. well, you're, you're competing with so many different games right now so many different forms of entertainment your phone netflix everything and so you might only get that first five minutes with a player that's it and if they're gone they're gone forever and actually they might see your logo for for all of history and be like image and form oh they really hurt they hurt my feelings that day yeah right. never come back again right well you so. said that initially when uh when steam world Dig One launched on uh, 3DS. You were very proud of the way it looked, and rightfully so, I think. Um, but how, was that the same feeling that you experienced with the launch of SteamWorld Dig Two on Switch, or would you say it was similar, bigger, uh, more proud, uh, more excited? Like, how? What was the team's feeling around the launch of that game, and then the immediate sort of response that you received, you know, through fans and right. reactions like that? Yeah, I was. I was. I was super proud. I, I actually because I knew that the game was very, very good. Mm-hmm. With I have to say that because it was such a big difference uh, compared to Steam Will Dig. When we when we uh, shipped that game or sent it off to for approval, we didn't know. We had been so close to the screen for so for so many months that we had sort of we were deaf to sort of what it was. Mm-hmm. It's like is it is it bad? Is it mediocre? Is it good? Is it great? Or you, you, you have people come into the office and play it. And it's like, so, so what do you think? Mm-hmm. Oh, I think it's good. Are you saying that because you're, you're our friend? <laughs> I think there's, a, there's that thing where it, with, it happens with artists and musicians and cooks and stuff like that. They're in the kitchen, right? And they're, they're, yeah. or they're making stuff for so long. Uh, they've only, they're the only person that's seen it or tasted yep. it or heard it. And they come up for air and they show it to people. And, they, and people are like, 
oh, this is awful. (laughs) (laughs) But you're like, I love this. This is my jam. And it's like, no, dude, this is really bad. This is a bad jam. It's a bad jam. And I'm glad this didn't happen here. Um, And so how how immediately do you guys find out um, sort of like, what, are you tracking sales on the fly? Like, how how does that information get kicked to you? Because I know, how do you know you're successful? Yeah, how yeah, do you know? Do right. you know within 24 hours, like we're doing okay? We don't have to shut the factory down or anything. <laughs> uh, I'll I'll tell you about that in just a second. But first, I'm just going to say that um, I have to just do a shout out to the game director who's who gets way too little recognition. Mm-hmm. It's like I'm always out uh, hogging credit for everything that we do. So the game director for Steamwell Dig, for Steamwell Heist, and for Steamwell Dig 2 is a guy co- uh, called Olle Håkansson. Okay. And he's, well, he's, we know how to spell that immediately. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> Say yeah. that again. Olle Håkansson. Okay. He's, a, he's just a, a genius. And he's sort of... Thanks, Olle. Yeah. He's sort of the, the guy that keeps it together. Because I, because you asked about, like, what was the feeling about the game? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, he is he's a really sober guy when it when it comes to killing darlings, right? He, they'll think up darlings or like uh, features in the game, mm-hmm. and um, and I uh, we we uh, like have a revision meeting or something like that. And I was like, where's where's that feature? Yeah, it's on the shit list. Right? <laughs> no, it can't be on the shit list. Yeah, it's not good enough. You know, and so I imagine there's like this list in the in the yeah. bathroom, oh. right? <laughs> Where it's like, where these features go that don't make it into the game. Well, you come in with all these ambitions, right? Yeah. And then you're like, oh, we want to have a jetpack or we want to have like a quadruple jump or he fights a boss that's like two stories, three stories tall. Right. And then you look at the clock and you look at the team and yeah. they're tired and yeah. you're like, no, it's got to go. Right. Does that list have a Swedish name? Sorry? What's the Swedish name for that list? <laughs> uh Quitlistam. Okay. <laughs> uh, that sounds much better. There's yeah. that's no, I'm using that. Yeah, well, no, every, yeah. every developer is going to use that. Somebody. <laughs> Brijan. Brijan. Mm-hmm. Right. You guys want to start calling me Brijan? I'm cool with it. Yep. So, right. But you asked about the uh, how soon do you know if, yes. if, it's, yeah. if it's working or not. And the thing is that SteamWorld Dig 2 was the first game that we put out on, on the Switch. Mm-hmm. And so there must have been some glitch sort of link, uh, com- in conjunction with that that, that – they had just set up our account because the first, like, it sort of lags one day. So, like, day one sales, you can sort of find out about that day two. Oh, man. So that first 24 hours, you're just checking your phone waiting for that email? From <laughs> no, actually, you go into a site. And okay. Sort of, okay. All right. And it's it, self-service. Yeah, exactly. And I went in after after the first day to look at day one sales. It's and zero? No. No, it wasn't like, well, I mean, then I would have concluded that, okay, I was a bit early. <laughs> but, like, give, I gave it enough time and I went in and, and looked and it's like, huh, great. This is better than Steam Will Dig, right, the original? Mm-hmm. Cool. I'm relieved, right? Okay, good. Uh, and also, I mean, like, Steam Will Dig 2 is, uh, at regular price, it's 20 bucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, the original is ten bucks, so that means like okay, that's great. So we have more than twice the the cash for this. Good, yeah. good. People are yeah. not getting fired. And then, uh, and then I went in like a day later to check out day two sales, and then the day one sales had updated and were much larger than than when I went in the last yeah. time. Right? So you had the full twenty four hours. Yeah. No, it was no, it wasn't that. It, it was, wasn't counted yet. No, yeah. it's like so. I'm like. Strange, and then I I go in like a day after that, like a third time, and day one is still updating. And I said, 
this is amazing. I'm affecting these figures. Whenever I go in, they go yeah. up. <laughs> so <laughs> you're like, ding, ding, ding. Yeah. I got to check every day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it was, it settled after a while, but there was something with populating mm-hmm. the, the sales numbers, mm-hmm. probably because it was our, our first title or for some technical reason. Yeah. So uh, it, it was, it was goosebumpy. It's like, you'd go in there. It's like, what is it going to be? That yeah. sounds so good. You guys pop open the champagne after the first couple of days? Uh, we or? we did. We actually got a, a bottle of champagne from Famitsu, the oh, uh, the nice. Japanese. Yeah. Uh, right. Nice. Um, because we our score went over a certain threshold. Oh, that's and, great. And so they actually sent us a, a bottle of champagne and a gold medal. Yeah. That's awesome. That's Didn't get one cool. from IGN, but <laughs> we don't. We don't. We don't bribe. Yeah. <laughs> we have some beer on tap. We can. Yeah, we can, we'll give you a beer afterwards. The team. But that's uh, great. So you guys were obviously very happy with yeah, the sales. And, and like relieved. when you look back now, I don't. You guys didn't announce like overall sales numbers for the title, did you? No. Yeah. And we're probably not gonna. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Okay. Right. That's some. It's just a competitive secret. You don't want to give away to the other guys, or no? It's could be that, but it, yeah. that first and foremost, it's like we're Swedish, right? It's like if you know Swedish people, <laughs> we're so we're so intimidated the whole time. It's like we uh, or. Inhibited. We, if we say something good about ourselves, it's it's terrible, right? It's like, <laughs> like you say something and say, "Yeah, I'm, I I feel that like now I can do thirty push-ups," and yeah. suddenly they're like, it's like someone stabbing you in the back, right? And yes. it's like that Lutheran sort of bad conscience. Yeah. Like you shall not speak well of yourself. So you'll wait till some Nintendo earnings report, and then the number is going to show up in there, and yeah, and that people happy. can find out that way. Yep. But it's like if I'm talking about it, just who is. How yeah. are people going going to react to that? Like mm. it just if it's bad, then it's like oh, I feel sorry for those guys. Uh-huh. And if it's if it's good, it's like yeah, you you sorry. better buy beer yeah. next time, <laughs> right? right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I do have one last question sure. for you before yeah. we move on. Mm-hmm. Uh, who do we have to call to get a Steam World amiibo? Or I'm sorry, Steam World amiibos? Yes, and Steam World characters in Smash. Yeah. Um. Okay. So, uh, dear people, like, go online and tell Nintendo what you think. I mean, uh, amiibos, uh, definitely in Smash Brothers and so on. Um, do it. Just influence them. And, do it. Uh, obviously, amiibos. That's up to us, right? We have mm-hmm. to sort of. We can. We can make the decision to do it. And um, it's just again, we're sort of concerned about that. Is are people going to buy it? Bug. Yeah. But with the Smash Brothers character, I mean, that's a really good point. That's, yeah, that's Nintendo. They that's like have Bug to Sakurai, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but because your character has very different mechanics from other, you know, Nintendo's own franchise characters or some of the the third party stuff, like just the uh, you know the the drill mechanic, the you know the the kind of the hook shot and the climbing stuff could be really interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and the pickaxe, yeah. of course, mm-hmm. right? A jetpack. Yeah. Yeah, the yeah. jetpack. Mm-hmm. Spoilers. So I don't want <laughs> exactly. It's been out for a while. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. No, there are some really cool tools. Yeah. I think it would be a. I think Nintendo that would be a great fit for Smash Brothers. Yeah. Yeah. Very, Make very it happen, true. Brian. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Let's do Come it, on, Brian. It's up Make to it you happen. guys. Come on, Br- Br- Brian. <laughs> <laughs> all the Brians in the world get together. Yeah. All right. Make this happen. Well, as we had mentioned earlier, uh, yes, the G- Game Developers Conference or GDC is happening this week in San Francisco, and some of us from the office got to go. Brian and I, uh, Brian Altano and Brian. I, mm-hmm. yes, had a chance to go check out all of the Nindies from the Nintendo Direct uh, Nindie Showcase the other day, and. We have some 
things to tell you guys. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's go through some Absolutely. quick impressions of, of all the games we so played. So I saw the presentation, like most people here, I saw the presentation mm-hmm. online when they were streaming it. You know, they were there. I, I felt like there were some awesome announcements uh, and, and some game, games I obviously really like um, seeing um, return. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't like this, like this kind of mind blown type presentation. It was like, oh, yeah, these are all good looking games. Yeah. Same same kind of reaction when you guys played totally. it? Or? Um, I, so, I mean, the, the presentation, I think everybody always puts lofty expectations on a direct. I think in this one, in terms of like, it's 10 minutes long, it's bite sized it's, mm-hmm. it's sort of them just being like, here's all the cool stuff that you can play on Switch. I thought that was great, uh, great messaging. But again, looking at a lot of it, uh, surface level, it was a lot of sort of like uh, 8-bit, 16-bit pixely games and stuff yep. like that. And those all seemed to bleed into each other. And then we got to this event and I started playing them. And some of them specifically just completely blew me away. And I know that sounds like, you know, it's just stupid video game journalist speak. Movie poster line. Yeah. Blew me away. Was blown away. <laughs> um, but really, I wanted to talk first. Should we talk? You want to talk about Travis Strikes again? Yeah, you go, talk about- let's just go in order. You go first. Uh, so right then, let's Travis Strikes again. No More Heroes. Obviously, it's not the sort of No More Heroes 3 you're expecting. It's a spiritual successor to that developed by Suda51 and Grasshopper. Suda was on Up at Noon this week in the studio. So check that out. Um, and I got to play with him uh, split screen with two Joy-Cons. Which Super. Super jealous. I played too, but I played all by myself. Oh, Did man. not get to really? play with Suda. I could yeah. hook that up. How is um, it though? So it's it's really fun. We only played one of the games so far, and it's sort of like a hack and slash beat 'em up style game where two characters are running through this kind of glitchy matrixy hallway and using different special attacks to beat up bad guys. Um, you fight waves of enemies, and then a boss, and then you team up together and, and beat him. And it's like it's it's not nearly as deep as something like even some of the combat in the No More Heroes games, but I found it really fun knowing that this is just one of the many, many games that are going to be in this collection. So it's like a total variety game. Yes. Like, yeah. you know, not, not WarioWare small, but like smaller yeah. kind of segments. Yep. I it assume kind of, of kind of varying quality. and Yeah, and it had that thing levels. too where you have your beam katana, which is your lightsaber, and yep. it runs out of juice, and then you click in the stick and start shaking it, and both of you look very goofy doing that. Um, and it's pretty, and it's fun, and it's like it doesn't look like anything else on Switch. So you can see it here if you're watching the video. It feels a little bit to me like fury but yeah with, like actual like enemy encounters and yeah. the boss fights because there are um bosses in this game too mm-hmm. which are really interesting um but yeah like what brian was saying like the main mechanic itself is like the the beam katana and yep. you're going through uh, hacking and slashing with enemies you can play uh with single joy con right yeah and so each one of the face buttons works as a different attack and then hitting it with another button lets you do like a special version of that attack um and then you can use the shoulder buttons too so it's it's getting a lot out of the joy cons which is pretty smart um and the art's cool and the music's really great and it doesn't really look like anything else on Switch. Obviously, again, it's not No More Heroes 3, but I want to see how this thing pans out as a full collection. Because This is a very Twilight Princess there. I know. Those I know. weird glitches and, and all the, the bloominess. The fences. Yep, yeah. yep. It's really cool too is um, throughout the game, Travis, uh, you can actually switch his shirt. And he wears like the logos from different indie games. Yeah, like yeah. he's rocking a hyper light shifter right. shirt yeah. at some point, which is really cool. Um, when I met Suda at PAX last year, I gave him a shovel knight pin for his jacket because they're working. They're working with those guys in some connections. So that's the cool thing about this. It's sort of a love letter to indie games and kind of a mixtape of a bunch of indie games as well. Uh, there's a Hotline Miami themed le- uh, section. So uh. yeah, I'm really interested to see how it all pans out. Apparently, it just works all into one continuous story. So Travis is basically jumping inside games within a game Suda's always been a big fan of like games that you can play inside other games which is if you look at something like Geometry Wars that's basically how that started so yeah let's see how this pans out it'll be out this year Um, I can't wait to play it very cool you didn't get to go to that presentation Brian did you? I didn't know yeah I've been in meetings all the time but I I gotta say I love the aesthetics Mm -hmm. it's really fluid and beautiful 
That's a beautiful. wacky series for sure. Um, <laughs> and then you played the messenger. The messenger. As well. Okay, yeah. so I have to gush about this real quick because this is this might be my favorite video game demo I've ever taken at Whoa. an event. Oh wow! Um, what? And again, I sat down thinking this is a very straightforward eight bit style game. Uh, takes a lot of cues from stuff like Ninja Gaiden, like the original NES versions. Uh, if you look at it here, it's 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 a pretty straightforward game. It right? looks like, like Ninja Gaiden. Right? Yeah, it's a, yeah. it's a simple hack and slash game. Where this game gets deep is that you are a messenger and you are given a scroll that you have to bring to the end of this game um if you're just running through the game you'll have a good time playing it but there's also this thing called cloud kicking or cloud jumping which is basically this double jump that you get from slashing enemies or things in the environment so speedrunners are going to really latch onto that because it's super cool uh when you get to the end of this game the guy you bring it to is basically like did you take a look at the scroll you've been carrying and you go no and you open it up and you realize it's a map for the game, and the entire game is now a Metroidvania. It loops back to the beginning of the game where it takes place 30 years later from where you started, and it's all 16-bit now. And now, oh, So literally they advanced really? the yeah. clock on yeah. the graphics? So, yeah. Yes, they advanced the clock on the graphics. So the first level that you're playing is, is a forest, and 30 years later it's a 16-bit forest that now has a, like a Japanese soldier encampment there. So the environments have changed, right? But – Certain portals and areas have opened up to reveal the past. So you can jump through the future and the past, a.k.a. 8-bit and 16-bit, to uh, solve puzzles, find areas like a tree that used to be there 30 years ago is gone now, and you can reveal it by jumping through a portal. So like Link to the Past, like two worlds kind of set up. And so I'm really thinking, like, to me, this really feels like this year's Shovel Knight. It's got, first of all, this boss is is just just big, big, gross enemy. I know that guy. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And uh, so it's got nods to a bunch of NES games and classic vintage retro games but without being overbearing about them like there's an underwater sections in the game that uh, remind me of the the Ninja Turtles underwater sections in the original Ninja Turtles game but without any of the timers or bombs the overworld map looks like uh, ghouls and ghosts or ghosts and goblins you know so you have that sort of like scrolling really 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 into this game uh it's got like sort of all these different elements that you can kind of like upgrade and different weapons and powers and stuff like that so um i can't wait to see how this pans out i think it's gonna be fun for people who just want to fly through it i think it's gonna be crazy for speedrunners. yeah um please 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 keep watching this game and don't just write it off as another 8-bit platforming game Th- that's the that's the problem like a lot of games now choose this aesthetic because it's, yeah. it's easier to start with something yeah you know 8-bit simple pixel graphics but mm-hmm. then sometimes these these games surprise us and well, and the thing is also i mean like you see that from afar right or you if you like if you walk past it you, you judge it immediately yeah. right yeah. It's like yeah okay i understand what kind of game yep. that is how long did you get to play with it? Um, I played it for about twenty five minutes. Like honestly, it was okay, cool. it was suppo- it was supposed to be like I was I I kept being like I'll pass the controller to someone else, and the developers were like, no, we have to show you more. Like there's more and more and more to show you. By the way, little birds told me that you guys were the last ones to leave, and yep. that Nintendo was trying to get you to get you out, and you weren't. They leaving. actually they kicked me out. <laughs> yeah, at the very end. Yeah, Lily and I uh, stayed there till the very end, and then uh, we were both removed. Yep. NVC shuts, <laughs> shuts down the club. That's how it works. Yep, exactly. Uh, Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I also got a chance to play a game called Garage, mm-hmm. which is a very, very interesting game. Now, I initially looking at this game, it looks very reminiscent to like Smash TV. It's a top-down twin-stick shooter. Um, so it's set in like this zombie apocalypse world, and it's very grimy. It's a dark game, and there's like this natural like CRT line thing going on over the screen, oh, man, which is yeah. cool. Um, so yeah, like it looks like it's a. It comes off sort of just by looking at it as 
as a fast-paced shooting, like running through levels type of game. But it's really actually slower, and you have to be strategic while you're playing this game. I I wouldn't call this like a Resident Evil game, but it definitely feels like it takes elements from that series and it uses them well do you move the crosshairs yourself or like yeah because uh, the crosshairs go all over the place yeah yeah so straight so up a twin stick shooter but button. not distance you just move it left and right you can just move it around yeah okay. so it is so you don't it, get faster with yeah. distance right right exactly it does play um with like you know both sticks it's a twin stick shooter but like there's melee weapons in the game and the weapons all react very differently ammo is incredibly scarce in this game so um in the demo they, they gave me a huge surplus of ammo because they obviously wanted us to complete it mm-hmm. but they said in the final build of the game that you're actually going to be saving your bullets uh, for when you need it like you'll be u- using a lot of melee weapons there's an axe and it feels really good when you connect with the enemies yeah. it's got this weird fog of war effect huh? when you're behind a wall it like blocks out yeah um, there's line of sight yeah yeah, 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 yeah. it's really stuff. cool like, you can, almost like a tabletop game mm-hmm. yeah it's really cool I, I like the sort of like traditional survival horror elements that have been folded into what is kind of a smash tv style game um, it reminds me of a really good version of Resident Evil Gaiden, which came to the Game Boy, mm-hmm. which was a top-down Resident Evil oh, game. Oh yeah, yeah. I remember yeah. Yeah. that most of you should forget because it was not yep. good. <laughs> Interesting, uh, but yeah, no, this is a fun game. Uh, I believe it's coming out a little bit sooner. I think May 11th. Oh, cool. Yeah, so it's just around the corner. Um, so keep your eye out on that if you're a survival horror fan and mm-hmm. you're and you like indie games. Um, but another game that we got a chance to play. I don't know if you played it, Brian. I did not. No, now, Lightfall is also coming to Nintendo Switch. Now this game is for all you speedrunners out there as well. If you if you enjoyed Celeste, if you liked that style of gameplay where it's a lot of restarting, a lot of like trying to, you know, do the stage over again or get that perfect run, then this is definitely a game you have to keep your eyes on. Um, it, it brings in some interesting mechanics, though, where like in, let's say, a game like Celeste, you had the ability to sort of um, hyper dodge or like, you know, boost up to yep. different areas. Where Well, the mechanic in this game is you can create platforms under you um, or you can create them on the side and sort of just grab onto them in midair. But the sort of trick is you can only create four while you're in the air at a time, and then you have to touch the ground uh, to actually reset it. So, like, you can essentially create your own pathways. There's no real route for you to take. Sure, it's, it's usually either left or right, but the verticality in this game is really mm. what makes it very interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can essentially just play it the way you want. And there's boss fights, too, at the very end of... Uh, a lot of these levels. I don't know if every level has one, but the one that I got a chance to play, I could not finish. Uh, I tried so many times. It was very difficult. And the boss uh, the boss fights just act out like very intense um, speed runs, essentially. Oh, cool. Yeah. So you're constantly trying to uh, chase the clock, and you can... Mm-hmm. Uh, there's online leaderboards as well that you can like upload your score and compete with friends. So I'm really curious to see where the game uh, goes story-wise. The story itself seems... Like pretty interesting. There is a story, definitely, and there's lore in this world. Um, and I think the block itself, they call it a shadow core. So like everything has a name for it. The character even has a name, too. I totally forgot it off the top of my head. But yeah, it's just a very, very cool, smaller uh, game. So for people listening to the show, I like art style, like a little bit like Patapon or something, right? Like, yes. kind of like yeah. shadow style graphics. Yep. Right. How, is it like the... Um the flies or something that is what is that? Oh what yeah, that? it's like following him. There's all these little, little dust, it's like speckles. these little pixie things. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm not part of the gameplay or no. They don't really interact with the character, but it looks like it's emitting off of him. I actually didn't even notice that until you pointed it yeah. out. I was just so busy. Yeah, I wonder if that is is some sort of power. Were, or the yeah. Yeah. yeah, maybe they create the blocks. 
Yeah, yeah, this looks get, fun. Brian, did you get to play a lot of um, like Switch uh, other indies? Do you guys do you guys have time as a dev team to ever <laughs> like look at what the other guys are doing? And the thing is, like we. I mean, I've got a pretty big family and stuff, yeah. and so I never get to use my TV for for one, like in the living room. And uh, yeah, just, a Switch has a solution for that, no? It, it does, yeah. yeah. Uh, but I've only been playing like Mario Odyssey, actually, <laughs> and then just very much bits and pieces. Like for me, it's it's much easier and much more relaxing to just talk to the guys in or and girls in the office mm-hmm. because they play they play so much. Yeah. yeah. Um. And they also they they always come up with really good sort of uh, they can sort of pinpoint things immediately. It's like this is really cool. Blah, blah, yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Mm. Instead of like wasting time, that's, that's yeah. amazing research to say that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but like, uh, yeah, they do the research. Right? Oh, that's awesome. And I'm working next to I mean Julius, who is our community manager at Image mm-hmm. Forum. He's he's just encyclopedic, right? You can yeah. you can ask him anything. He'll he'll have dates for you. <laughs> 30, awesome. 30, 40 years back. Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. Uh, I got one more game I want to talk about before we move on to the last segment of the show. And is, it, is it Bomb Chicken? It can be, I guess. Oh, wait, which one did you want? <laughs> right, we got two more games okay, to bomb. talk about. Let's talk about Bomb Chicken first. All right, Bomb Chicken real quick. Uh, I really, really, really like this game. Uh, you're a chicken that lays eggs that are bombs. I could tell that you would like this. Yeah. I, just, <laughs> I saw it in the presentation. It is, like, it Brian, is fun. Yeah, and I thought it'd be bomber, like sort of Bomberman-ish, but uh, it's a side-scrolling platforming game. You have you have this pudgy little chicken, and he's so great. And you, you kind of have an endless stack of bombs. The bombs can kill you, which is interesting because it's weird to lay eggs that can kill you. But you can kick them as weapons. You can climb on them as platforms you can use them to trigger uh buttons and icons and open up you know environments and areas and levels and basically it's your end-all be-all you also fight enemies with them just by running up leaving a stack and then mm-hmm. uh and so every now and then these doors ask you for a bunch of money and using all the money you get uh you feed them into the doors and you open up new areas um it's super clever it's really fun the art's great I like this game a lot, and I can't wait to play more of it. When I first thought, it. saw it, I thought it was an R two game, like something yeah. like Jules made. You know, Tot- it Just sounds the art like style one. and everything. It totally and sounds and like he one. loves chickens. Yep, he does love he chickens. Does, yeah. yeah, he's doing the chicken wiggle Kickstarter. Right I will, That's true. I will say the gameplay itself seems very simple, and it and it is in action as well. But it's so fun to run around as this chicken, just laying bombs and blowing stuff yep. up. It's a very Nintendo thing to do to yeah. take a simple, goofy mechanic like this and then stretch it out to a million different directions and. And kind of see how many different ways you can use it. Um, yeah. And I so I really, I really like that about this game. I love the look and animation. Yeah. That's just really okay. cute. You're good to go. <laughs> yes. Uh, if you love the look and animation of this game, well, then you're going to be very surprised about this next game. Because uh, the next one is Just Shapes and Beats. Figured. Yes. Yeah. It's a, it's a little bit uh, – it's a simple looking game from the graphics perspective. But the gameplay here is incredibly fun. I, pl- I got a chance to play this with uh, three other people. So we had like four people on screen. Uh, you're looking at the gameplay that I recorded with two people, though. Um, and so what this is, is it's essentially a bullet hell uh, rhythm game. What? So you're constantly trying to avoid uh, things, but it's it's the soundtrack of this game that really, really uh, picks it up because the things that are happening on screen are totally in sync with the music. And so you're sort of like dodging this stuff to a certain rhythm um, that is very, very, 
I don't know. It's it's very hard to describe, but it really gets your heart racing, and it gets very intense and very hard. So what's cool is you definitely want to play this game with another person because mm-hmm. you're gonna probably die a lot, like I did in in my in my demo with it. Um, and it's really easy to like revive your friends and stuff. Oh, cool! I didn't realize you could do that. Mm-hmm. And like, I think during the presentation, I saw there were like side scrolling stages where it's like right. a little ship jumping over stuff. So it has different types of there's actually there's like a world map yeah. which is really interesting. So like you, this is just like a level that's happening inside of the game and it, it is it is actually moving like from side to side you can see wow um so you're constantly having to dodge stuff that's you know sometimes coming out of the center of the screen and Ooh. stuff that's coming from the sides um but the level itself is constantly moving in motion and then when you f- complete each level uh you go back to the overworld and then <laughs> there are these really weird parts where you have to get into a boat and then you can actually control the boat and there's this little music thing there that happens it's a very interesting game very fun party game uh, definitely keep your eye on this one if you if you're looking for a good party game to play with your friends. I really enjoyed my time with it. And, this uh, looks so mean. Yeah, yeah. it's brutal. It's so hard. So in terms of a rhythm game, is that happening without your input or are you tapping along with the rhythm or is it just sort of like a, the soundtrack is defining the enemy patterns? It's it's kind of like, you remember those old screensavers on computers that yeah. would like sync to music or like yeah. Xbox Like Winamp Visualizer like basically? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Winamp Visualizer. That's what this is. Sweet. It's Winamp Visualizer the video game but with really good Only music. Only 90s kids would so The music those. tells you dodge now. Yeah. Yes. Like, Oh, I love that. You can anticipate the big things that are coming, like the big hits, like especially once you learn the songs. And I can totally like take my word for it. The music is really, really good. Um, It's uh, some of the artists are if you're familiar with like chiptune artists, um, Cubby is featured in the Mm -hmm. soundtrack. And I know he's a very, very popular uh, chiptune artist. So things like that um, are really cool and compelling about there's something like very Fantasia about all of this. Yeah. Oh, like the, the, uh, I, I remember. Yeah. Like, like was, it's, it, this is one of those games where if right, I, again, if I looked at it right and spring or something, they did something like, yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 When you look at this game at first glance, I was like, yeah, this is a just kind of simplistic, you know, it's, it's like a, just like your typical sort of like one developer indie game. And then it keeps going and going and going and I can't look away. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. yeah really. I'm really excited that. to play this one. Very fun. And that guy kind of looks like Pac-Man. Yeah, but those are just a few of the games that we got a chance to go hands-on with at GDC from uh, the Nindies Showcase this week. Uh, so, yeah, uh, thank you very much, Brian Altano, for joining us. Zach is going to swap in, and he's going to tell us a little bit about something special happening this week regarding Wind Waker. Zach Attack. See Thanks for having me. See you guys soon. Bye, Brajan. Bye, Brajan. <laughs> <laughs> And welcome back to part two of NVC, and we're joined by Zachary Ryan. I'm back. Here to tell us a little bit about The Wind Waker. Yeah, so uh, an interesting opportunity presented itself this week. Um, This week, this Saturday, marks the 15th anniversary of the original North American release of The Legend of Zelda The Wind Waker. Um, Those of you that are fans of the show know that it's my personal favorite game of all time, and I thought that this would be sort of a great impetus to uh, start something that I've been kind of kicking around with you guys for a while, uh, kind of looking back at big Nintendo releases uh, for each week uh, of that week, right? So March 24th marks the release of... Uh, the 15-year anniversary of The Legend of Zelda. So I've got a little bit of a history lesson, and then I kind of want to talk about uh, what we thought about the game at the time, what we think about it now, 
try to keep it tight. But let's uh, let's jump in here. So this is the eighth game of the Legend of Zelda series, and I'm not counting Four Swords Adventures in this case. Um, come at me if you have to. Um, released on in North America on March 24th, 2003, three months after the Japanese release. Um, back then, uh, Matt Casmasina, close personal friend of Pear, yeah. gave the game a 9.6 and saying, The Wind Waker is a masterful achievement, a shining example, in fact, of how video games should be made in a case study for developers wondering what makes a compelling game. So... You know, maybe take some notes there. Uh, (laughs) Better learn. So a lot of the history stuff that I'm going to give you guys right now is coming from uh, the story of The Wind Waker by Keza McDonald, a former IGN staffer currently at Kotaku. She wrote this piece back uh, around the time of The Wind Waker HD's release. Mm -hmm. And then also there's a really great Iwata Asks. Are you familiar with the uh, Iwata Asks platform? Um, no. no. Yeah. So Awada asks is this awesome sort of uh, uh, questionnaire that uh, Mr. Awada used to do to IGN or IGN staff, to Nintendo staff, mm-hmm. uh, to kind of deep dive into games. And there's some really awesome like development and programming and art design notes that come out of these things. So a lot of that stuff is coming from here. Mm, cool. Um, so real quickly, personnel uh, directed by Eiji Onuma. So, father of modern Zelda games. Um, produced by M- Miyamoto and uh, uh, Takashi Tezuka. Mm-hmm. Uh, written by Matsuhiro Takano, who did Star Fox 64 and Majora's Mask. And Hajime Takahashi, who actually worked on Pikmin and Luigi's Mansion. So, an interesting kind of take on the story by guys that worked on games that weren't super story-centric, right? Yeah. Um, and then, of course, music by Koji Kondo. Uh, and a whole staff of Nintendo composers. Uh, I think there were six other composers on this game. Uh, Koji Kondo famously writes, uh, Where's the Jumpy? Where's That's the Jumpy? Pear's favorite song where's from... The jumpy? Uh, yeah. Where's the Jumpy? Yeah. Pear loves that song. Um, so the production for uh, Wind Waker actually began back before uh, Majora's Mask shipped. Uh, and it was originally planned to have a really similar style to uh, those games, like sort of that dark kind of mature look. Um, and it's it, the demo we saw. Right. And so right. it famously sort of made its debut at Space World in 2000. Mm. Per, can you tell us a little bit about I saw Space that World? in person. Yeah, I was at Space World. Uh, Space World was this expo that Nintendo did, basically their own show, like a, like a mini Tokyo game show just for so here, Nintendo here games. So here it is now if you're Here's watching. The, if yeah. you're watching it, you can see this demo. And like it looks cheesy now, but we were like, oh, my God, if the next Zelda game looks like this, Right, we're all in. This is all we ever wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, that's not what we got in the end. And like, and that initial kind of, you know, like when we f- actually got to see the, this, you were there. This game, there was a big reaction. But yeah. this is what we first saw at the at the event, and we loved it. Oh, so, like so I didn't know you were there. Wave stuff, and all I didn't know you were there, like in person. Yeah, you saw it. Yeah, okay, that's really cool. It was it was it was an an awesome moment. To like see what we thought would become the GameCube Zelda like that, and you're like, oh my god, right? You know. Well, and eventually yeah. we got that with Twilight Princess, that sort of return to yep. the more mature and dark look in a Zelda game. Um, Aonuma famously hated this demo. He said, that, "There's a quote from that Awada asked that said the video clip didn't actually contain any big surprises. There wasn't any kind of revelation going on. It was more like a continuation of the previous version. So this is interesting because Pear, I feel like, is saying that that's what fans were looking for is this sort of continuation." Oh, yeah. But according to Nintendo, same kind of right? Game. But according to Nintendo, not different enough from previous Zelda. Well, you had to remember, like when right. Majora's Mask came out, um, the the N sixty four and the engine used was show, was showing its age. Majora's Mask did not run well, right? Mm-hmm. They took the Ocarina of Time engine, they they created this much kind of like bigger open world centered around that that center of the the city in the center, and like it chugged and it didn't always look beautiful and it was very flickery. Mm-hmm. It looks better on on 3ds now. Yeah, and so 
we were saying, oh, man, if they can just use this kind of like dark tone and more mature style from Ocarina of Time with Grown Up Link on the GameCube with these beautiful graphics, we're going to lose our minds. That's, that was the – it wasn't like, hey, let's get this exact same game again because Majora's Mask was already so different. Yeah. But we wanted that like evolution in graphics. But we would find come to find that Zelda would follow that same sort of formula for the next few games, yeah. right? Um, so it was around the time that, that Anuma was kicking this idea around that production shifted, thanks in part to uh, Yoshiki Hirahana and uh, Sotaru Takazawa. I'm sorry, Takazawa. I know I'm butchering Takizawa. these no, you are you, uh, are you just cringing over there? I feel like you're. Right. <laughs> Thank you. It's beautiful. Um, so these two gentlemen presented Aonuma with early drawings of uh, tuned versions of Link and other Hyrule Heavens. In fact, I have those drawings. Uh, if uh, Andres wants to bring those up here, you can see the original uh, sketches that they did. So there's, you know, Toon Link and, and uh, a, a Moblin. Uh, or is that yeah. a Moblin? Yeah, yeah that's a Moblin. Um, that th- these are the initial uh, images that were presented to Anumasan that said like, hey, this is the direction that we're thinking about going. I mean, super um, close to what we got, yeah. Especially the Moblin design that that is basically it. Whereas like Link, they definitely tweaked the uh, the eyes. Of course, nowadays if people had seen this character, everybody would have said Link is a girl. It's confirmed, right? Right. <laughs> is he not <laughs> a girl? I thought Link was the girl the whole yeah. time. No, that's uh, that's Metroid. Oh my bad. But it's kind of close though. Yeah. Right? I mean, uh, very close. Yeah, yeah. It's not far away. Yeah. Hair and the uh, the crazy dangly sideburns, everything. <laughs> uh, so, one of the, the gentlemen who drew these these images, uh, Hirohana, he credits a lot of this look to his mentor, uh, Yoichi Kotabe, who we know did a lot of uh, uh, box art and instruction manual illustrations for Nintendo. Famously, he did this, the designs for Super Mario Brothers Three, mm. um, Super Mario World. Uh, that's all Kotabe's work. Oh, okay. um, but before he was at Nintendo, he worked at Toei, which is a Japanese animation company. Right. You familiar with Toei? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, specifically, he worked on a, a film in the 60s called The Little Prince and the Eight-Headed Dragon, uh, which if we want to roll that B-roll here, uh, if you're watching at home, you can see this this uh, trailer for this film from 1963, which is just dead on looking just like the wind Waker. it's yeah, i mean it's it's awesome when you see the expressions on the character close up like just the 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 face and the you know the, look at the eyebrows and right. everything it's so wind Waker looking and it's such an interesting or the other way around like it's such an interesting look because this is such a a time and a place for animated films from japan like the, like 60s and 70s a lot of anime looked like this mm-hmm. um and then they sort of got away to the more familiar stuff that, that we know today but this is a very distinct look and i think like even the fire and stuff is mm-hmm. very representative of what you would see mm-hmm. in wind waker um so a lot of toei animation uh uh borrowed for the wind waker's design but a lot of people specifically point to this this film and i think it's pretty easy to understand why when you're looking at it in motion um beautiful yeah yeah really really cool if you haven't seen it i i highly recommend watching it's a really interesting sort of a series of vignettes it's a cool cool film um so eventually the game was re-revealed the following year at space world as uh man the wind waker Mm -hmm. and uh we're gonna run some footage here that was that it's sort of the only existing footage that we've got it's shot off screen but this was the original reveal and uh oh boy people were pissed (laughs) uh sort of infamously dubbed zelda uh, Zelda. Yeah, yeah, Zelda fans were uh, very angry that their their more mature, dark version of Link, like in uh, Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask, wasn't being represented represented on this new powerful hardware. Um, but 
you know, ultimately this like Saturday morning cartoon look has uh, sort of won out and stood the test of time, which is it's interesting to have you on this segment because I feel like a lot of image and form games have borrowed a cell shaded look. And the conversation around cell shading is that it, it, it represents a kind of timeless look like yeah. SteamWorld Dig 2 will look just as amazing as it does in 15, 20 years as it does right now, and that's the same case with, with Zelda. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about why you guys chose that sort of art style for, for SteamWorld? <clears throat> well, the thing was that um, for the first one, we um, there is a difference. I mean, uh, it'd be hard for Andres to pull it up on the screen right sure. now. <laughs> but like uh, for the first one, we're, uh, SteamWorld Dig, we use like pretty heavy outlines for mm-hmm. the characters, mm-hmm. and that sort of like sets them apart from the backgrounds and so on. It's sort of like an easy way to... This is the character. This like uh, mm-hmm. this is the environment that you're moving around in. <clears throat> with uh, like even when when we started with Steamed Heist, the first uh, drawings that we had were actually sort of like cel shaded. Mm-hmm. It was uh, uh, no outlines. Sort of you you see this character standing by itself, and I I didn't like it. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, it was it was a tough moment too yeah. because like. <clears throat> Um, if you if you trust your designers enough, right, th- to say that I trust you guys, you you, you like you, it's going to look beautiful. This is going to work beautiful. This is going to sound beautiful, etc. And then you start sort of yeah, but can we change this and this and this? It's really hard for for staff to sort of ignore it completely. Mm-hmm. It's like yeah, whatever, Grandpa. It's like we're, <laughs> well, we're not going to do it that way. Well, I mean, I imagine this this happened with this game, yeah. but the audience was giving the feedback, right? Yeah. Like the the feedback when when Link was revealed and was more childlike with big like googly eyes and like doing the cartoon like running in the air and falling thing. Like people were so angry. Yeah. They were so angry. And so I remember that um the development team was like, "Why are they not clapping?" right? Like there yeah. was this kind of like this this moment where the design team was I'm sure thinking, did we make a huge mistake too, mm. right? But the, also, I mean, like it, it's like the characters. The Ze- I mean, Zelda, like you said, it's like the eighth game in, in mm-hmm. the series. Character doesn't really belong to Nintendo anymore. It's like, <laughs> it, it it belongs to the, to the players. Yeah, mm-hmm. and they have they grow up with this. I mean, right. eight games, like it's a long, it's it's a fair chunk of time. Right? Yeah. So you you have grown accustomed accustomed to it, and. You demand that it's well it, perfect. It's what and, you remember. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah, it's, right. it's supposed to look like. And that. I think that there's some sort of like weird disconnect between the the narrative and the gaps that your brain fills in when you're playing those earlier Zelda yeah. games versus what what the actual concept art looks like and stuff. Because in in a lot of gamers' minds, like mine included, like when I think about the fantasy world of Zelda, it's sort of a dark fantasy, you know, right. especially mm-hmm. like Zelda Two and and Ocarina of Time, Majora's Mask. Um, but if you go back and look at the concept art for the original Zelda, he's just this like pudgy little the box elf art too, you know? right? Like yeah. it's a little yeah. chunky dude, and yeah. like, he actually looks closer to the Wind Waker. Right? He looks, yeah. yeah. So yeah. I, I think right. it's interesting that people were so up in arms. Like it, you were obviously in the industry at the time. What were your thoughts? My on first reaction it? was like, what? Like I was shocked. Mm-hmm. I was like. But aren't they trying to get a more mature gaming audience, right? Sure. Like I, I was, I was really surprised, and then I, like, it grew on me. But, mm-hmm. it, but the initial reaction was, oh no, what have they done? Like, mm-hmm. I wanted oh, really? that fight in my mind. That fight looked a lot better than it looks now, right? Right, and so you're like, wait till Ganon turns into the giant pig. It'll be so cool, mm-hmm. right, Ganondorf. Sure, and then. Um, 
And then you're presented with this cartoon. I'm like, oh, I didn't want that. And then as I kept rewatching it, I'm like, oh, man, look, those trees look like the trees from A Link to the Past. Mm-hmm. And Link looks like the original kind of Link from the concept uh, from the box art. And so it kind of grows on you. But there was a big contingent of the audience that was vehemently opposed to it who were but pissed and said they wouldn't buy this. Right. That's the thing. I mean, like, I, especially visually, people reject change. I mean, we don't want things to change. Like whenever like a company changes their logo, for example, mm-hmm. or like a like a product starts mm-hmm. looking different, there's a there's always like a violent re- reaction to yep. it, and then you grow accustomed to it. And uh, like today, I mean, nobody is really talking about this as a huge. It's, issue, it's right? still I mean, not it's still not making people angry, is what right, you're saying, right? Yeah. Exactly. Right. right. Yeah. So, like, as a 16 year old animation dork in high school, when I saw this reveal, I was all in from the get go. You know, like yeah. I, being a Saturday morning cartoon guy and seeing this, how fluidly it ran, was just like, oh, this is amazing. Like, this but had is you exactly... played Ocarina of Time before? So that? Th- that's actually an interesting thing because Wind Waker, the visual style of Wind Waker, was the the sort of impetus for getting me into Zelda. I had okay. played a Link's there Awakening a hundred years mm. prior, yep. uh, and and really enjoyed that but this game got me so excited to to play a zelda game that i ended up going back and playing ocarina majora and link to the past sort of back to back to back that's the key difference yeah. like people you know the character had evolved in people's minds and right. so suddenly we got this like record scratch go back to the beginning i bet you're wondering how we got here yeah. See, I, rem- uh-huh. I remember being like i think i was 10 years old maybe uh-huh. um when that original like GameCube demo of the, the more realistic Link, more mature Link came out. And I remember actually seeing Wind Waker and feeling opposite of how you felt, Zach, like just mm-hmm. disappointed, more like, oh, really? Here. And I was only like 10 years old. I wanted sure. that more mature look. But lo and behold, mm-hmm. after playing it, it ended up being one of the most like emotional experiences I've had yeah. in video games. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I don't think we're covering spo- or we're going to spoil anything for anyone out there. It's but- a 15 year old game. If you yeah. haven't played it by now, I mean. <laughs> but like when you get to like Hyrule Castle for the first time and right. you sort of oh. like realize like what going on to like, me we yeah. we did a list oh. of of uh top moments in gaming and uh yeah last year and that was one of that moment is yeah. one of my most fa- like favorite moments in all of gaming when you pull the sword out and the color spreads throughout yeah. the castle like such a cool moment totally to do um, a frozen in time plays yeah so black cool. and white was so cool yeah too. uh <laughs> the so game eventually ships in uh uh 2002 in Japan, 2003 in the States. Um, it was at that at that time the GameCube was not performing super hot, um, and the general rumor is that this game and Super Mario Sunshine were sort of rushed out the gate because Nintendo was saying things like, "Hey, we need to have two heavy hitters on this platform mm. because right now it's not selling super well." Um, and as a result of that, yeah, so it wound up uh, this game got cut quite a bit. Uh, we lost two full dungeons that actually ended up in later Zelda games and instead they replaced those dungeons with the Triforce quest which is terrible and bad. In the original, so if you uh, play the remake it actually got fixed. Right. Like it got changed. Yeah. The original was a little bit like almost the game almost ground to a halt if you hadn't taken some of those side quests before then or found some of the pieces it was it became a chore. It's just grinding for rupees yeah. and, and and trying yeah. to track down Tingle's maps and stuff like that and I think that the, the HD version uh, that came out you know, several years later, really made that a lot more succinct yep. and fixed a lot of those and issues. And fixed the right. travel fixed the sailing. So you can yeah. do fast travel. Yep. Uh, we talked a little bit about uh, the look and what we liked about it, but I, I also wanted to mention a couple of things that, that uh, I really dug about this game and kind of get your opinion. Uh, the revamped combat 
in in Wind Waker, the idea of a, of a parry that allowed you to flip around behind enemies or uh, use the grappling hook to steal things from enemies that were coming at you. I thought that was it's, really interesting. It's a quick time event done right. Mm-hmm. Like the, when when you're getting attacked and you you're waiting, you're, you're leaving yourself out open. The A button um, flashes right. It gets that little uh, the starburst around it. If you hit it at the right time, he'll roll around the enemy when you lock uh, locked on. Right, rolls around the enemy and slashes the enemy from the from the end. It's, it feels really satisfying. Yeah. It just feels really good. And then later it becomes a gameplay element where you have enemies when you're who are armored from the front, nuts, yeah. but they got little leather straps on the back. So you roll around, go chuk, cut, and then the armor falls off. Right. Like it's yeah, that was a really good combat system. And the flip over the the flip over the top right. too, and, to take off the helmets and yep. things like that. I think it's also probably the most cheerful post-apocalypse we've ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I actually I, I feel like SteamWorld Dig is also sort of a cheerful post-apocalypse. Yeah. Uh, right. And, and this game is very similar in the same way in that that there's been this catastrophic event, but people aren't necessarily bummed out about it. Right. You know, it's enough time has passed that they're yeah. sort they of don't remember with life. Exactly. They don't, yeah. Yeah. It's it's like in your right, world, yeah. like well, the robots are cool with it, right? Yeah, yeah, they're totally fine with it. I mean, and and they wouldn't. Yeah, probably weren't sad at any point, right? Right. It's, um, they're robots. Yeah, they're robots. <laughs> I feel like I feel like sorrow is, a, is programmed into some of those robots in your game for sure. Yeah, well, yeah. they have a little bit of sorrow or yearning, or, right. and stuff. But so not I'm over good. the ability to kind of be the dominant race. On no, exactly. Yeah. That's sort of they're not wired for that. Right. My, <laughs> my robot felt sorrow whenever my bag was full and all these diamonds popped out. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Thank yeah. you very so that much was, for that. that. That's yeah. when my robot Sad felt moment. the most sorrow as well. Uh, <laughs> Digital tears everywhere. This the last thing that I want to talk about before we kind of close up shop. And I'm sorry, I know we've already gone over here, but uh, this game. Uh, very closely connected to Ocarina of Time, uh, narratively, uh, sort of the first game to acknowledge that other Zelda games had come before it and kind of kicked off this idea of, I, I know that you're familiar with this too, I'm sure, the the timeline theories and the multiple timelines and this sort of debate about what Zelda games happen when and the kind of thing that makes Miyamoto-san roll his eyes but gets like Zelda geeks like myself and, and Philip you know, talking about like, oh, where does this fall in the timeline? Yeah. That is so yeah. cool. Yeah. That yeah. is so cool. And it's a curveball in this game because you didn't expect Wind Waker to connect to Ocarina because right. the art styles are so different, right? Mm-hmm. You're expecting this to be a standalone game. First of all, mechanics-wise, it's the only game at that point with a boat where you like travel around, whereas like Ocarina and Majora, uh, yeah, Ocarina had all this horse stuff in it. Mm-hmm. Majora had all the kind of um, King of Red Lions, uh, turn, turning yeah. into turning into different characters like a Goron, and and so this game felt like a new a new story, a different story. And then you find Hyrule Castle, you, you like it's, wait what? It's all. It's all, all there. It's all the same. <laughs> you all the legends are real. Yeah. <laughs> you uh, bastard. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, obviously, the big question here is, uh, since the HD re- remaster came out in 2013 for Wii U, uh, when will we see it on Switch? Would you guys be interested in... Uh, Having a Switch version to take on the road, I feel like that's probably a, a silly question to ask to this crowd. Um, and I, not to put you on blast here, but if it comes to Switch, will this finally be the opportunity for you to play Wind Waker all the way through and come back on the so. show yeah, and talk exactly. to us about it? Yeah. yeah, and then we'll do a full sort of review of that. Perfect. So, <laughs> Great. So yeah, before you share, uh, be, yeah. before you join, he said, you know, he's, TV he's gets, telling us off he, camera that he has TV that gets uh, yeah. taken over by his family. Yeah. And so with the Switch, you can actually play games when uh, exactly. when the kids are taken over the big. Screen. Screen. Yeah, but um, so I actually because I replayed it um, when it came back out, I feel like it's very fresh in my mind, mm-hmm. and I would not go back to this. Well, I would love for Nintendo to go back to like 
Super Mario Sunshine or, or some of those games that aren't as highly played first. Yeah. But like, yeah, I want all, like GameCube had all these amazing games that look really, really good on the small screen. Yeah. I want them all. Like, just bring them back. Not me, sister. Yeah. I just want Wind Waker. So, <laughs> yeah. You really, but it's not, I, it's a you game didn't play that it I, recently? I, I, I played it when the HD remaster came just, out. And I'll tell you, I, I've played this much. game, <laughs> I've played this game top to bottom I think probably more times through than I've played any other game, and I've definitely played it more than I've played any other Zelda game. It is my favorite, favorite game, and well, it's because it's it's the most charming, most personable version of Zelda that I think exists. And it's it's the first game where each weapon had a really unique trait yeah. to it, right? That's like, true, too. Yeah. The, hammer, uh, the hammer did different things to the enemies than mm-hmm. the sword, and like the swinging of the rope, you could steal things from your opponent. You could steal enemies, yeah. you know? Or uh, steal weapons from enemies, I mean, yeah. No, it's an amazing game. I love that. But you don't want to play it again. No, I just want to play other things first. I want to play SteamWorld Dig 3 first. I'll play that as well. Work on it. There were plenty of uh, people that did not buy a Wii U that did not get a chance to play Wind Waker HD. Right. I'm not going to name names. Please don't name any names. But you guys guys have done some re-releases too, right? Like SteamWorld Heist, for example, and SteamWorld Dig 1 are available on, on Switch. Yeah, I was just thinking about that. I mean, like we, for us, it was um, when we got the dev kit for the for the NX back mm-hmm. then. I mean, it was uh, mm-hmm. it was before, like before that meeting, uh, or they they had a word for it. It's like we were being disclosed. Yeah, that mm-hmm. was the word. Yeah, and before we we sat in a cafeteria with nervously with a cup of coffee, talking mm-hmm. to a Nintendo guy that we know, and. Uh, I was sort of asking, so in which order should we do this? Like, is wouldn't it be best if we bring SteamWorld Dig um, to the Switch first? Yeah. And they said, uh, it's probably better if we go with, with new content yeah. because that's how we're going to go. Mm-hmm. And I agreed with that. I thought it was mm-hmm. really good. It also gave us sort of an opportunity to sort of – to, to blow it open for mm-hmm. ourselves. Like, here comes Dig 2. It's a fantastic game yeah. on the Switch. If you like that game, then you should get back and, uh, and play the older titles. Sure. Mm-hmm. I'm curious to see how Nintendo's going to do because the Switch is such a success, right? Yeah. What if they would just bring back all, like, back, like catalog games? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, by that's... Bayonetta 2 and yeah. 1. Sure. Right? Yeah, yeah, Came that's back. happened. And, like, you, it could have, like, they didn't wait for Bayonetta 3 to come out. So, you know, That's they right. did it the yeah. other way around. That's yeah. True. Some, some learnings there, but I mean, I'm personally, I'm glad that, that Dig 2 came to uh, Switch first yeah. because I hadn't had an opportunity to play the other SteamWorld games. Right. And so I played, I played through SteamWorld Dig 2. I immediately started over and played through it again. And then when one and heist came to switch, I played those as well. So right. it totally introduced me, you know, like I think in that case they made the right call because it introduced me to a, a franchise that I wasn't familiar with that yep. with a game that totally blew me away and then allowed me to go back and be like, Oh, here's what I've missed. Right. So yeah. Yeah. Also that's, that's sort of like what, what you use Nintendo for, right? They, mm-hmm. n- they think about these things. Sure. It's like, yeah, Brian, a uh, very interesting idea, but let's do it this way. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. Yeah. Right I I would take a Zelda collection though that includes it. Ooh, like yeah. with you know with some of the older games in it. What if it was just the the uh, 
master's collection from the GameCube that was like oh, Zelda 1, yeah. 2, Ocarina, Majora's Mask, and then Wind Waker. And then Wind Waker. Yeah, I would so take that. even be a 3D yeah. collection that doesn't include Breath of the Wild or something. Like if they what about a 3D the collection that doesn't, uh, that doesn't include Twilight Princess or Skyward Sword? That'd be fine. I like Twilight Princess. I like, That's I, fine. I enjoyed Skyward Sword. All right, all right. I'll we take can talk it. about this all day. We've got plenty of time to talk about this. Oh, man. Thank you very much for joining us, Brian. Well, thank you very much for having us. All the way from Sweden. Yeah. Yes. yes. Thank you. Very cool. And have a great rest of your GDC as well. Thank you very much. Well, and thank you guys for tuning in with us this week. We are a weekly show on IGN.com, but you can also also catch us on YouTube.com and your favorite podcast listening services. So definitely make sure you're subscribed if you haven't already, and we will see you next week. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine erstwhile monk-turned-traveling-medical-investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.